Hey guys, and welcome back to Bubbles and Biz. I hope you're having a great Tuesday so far. Um, This week's episode is awesome. My guest is Tony Beish, um, and she is not your average seven-figure business coach. Um, We talk all things delegating, outsourcing, hiring, um, which is really timely for me because I've been hiring on my team. Um, So I got to pick her brain, which was super fun, and she was just fabulous and shared so much valuable information. Um, We talk about SOPs. We talk about how often, like, the cadence of talking to your employee, different things like that. So if you are getting ready to hire or you're, you know, wondering about delegating or if you'd like to delegate better, this episode is for you. Um, So grab a glass and let's chat. Welcome to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Nicole Bernard and I'll be your host. I've been a small business owner for over 12 years, and I know how hard it is to market your business effectively. With all the tools out there, it can be confusing, and with all the tasks of running a business, it can be hard to find the time. In this podcast, I'll cover best marketing practices, essential tips and tricks to grow your business, and chat with other business owners to glean valuable information that they are using to crush their goals. So grab a glass and let's chat. Hey guys, and welcome back to Bubbles and Biz, where we raise a glass to small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, I'm really excited for my guest this week. Uh, I can't wait to pick her brain about what her expertise is, because it's just something so timely for me, and I know for a lot of the audience. Um, her name is Tony Beish, and she's not your average seven-figure business coach. She's a vivacious Australian helping busy women build and scale online businesses without sacrifice. So thanks for joining me in the middle of the night for you. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Nicole I'm really grateful to be here I'm so excited you're my second um Australian guest and so I just love it I love y'all's accent and I watch like I've noticed me and my family watch a lot of Australian shows and so I don't know I just love listening to your accent oh that's so sweet I hate my accent but (laughs) I'm glad that you like it (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um and I think it's yeah that's funny because like I I feel the same way like I I grew up in the south but I'm actually from the northwest and so people are like you have a funny accent I'm like yeah because it's just muddled like it's weird (laughs) when I'm one or the other yeah, but it's always like you want what you don't have. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. You yes. have curly hair, you want straight hair. Like you always want what you don't have. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I had I have really straight hair. And growing up, I always like I would perm my hair and it would fall out like a week <laughs> later. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining me in the middle of the night and also not feeling so good. So I'm excited for this conversation. Um, like I said uh, right before we started recording, I am about to hire a team member. So you know, your zone of genius is outsourcing. But before we get into that, could you kind of give us a little history on how you, you know, got to what you're doing now? And have you always been in this, you know, all of that fun stuff? Yeah, for sure, Nicole. So um, no, I haven't always been this. I kind of went the traditional um, go to school, get a great job, climb the corporate ladder. And um, I was a vice president um, in a Fortune 500 company for a very long time. But I always like had this passion and this feeling that I was made for more. And I, um, I, I actually like went on at my own self-discovery journey and I, uh, kind of started off, I wasn't well. And I went, you know what, I need to take control of this myself because kind of traditional medicine wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I said, like I needed to do was, um, to exercise more. So 
I set myself this tiny goal of exercising every day and it started off for 30 days and then it kind of grew and it got to the point of um, 365 days. And my husband said, oh, you should write a blog post about this. Now, I'm not a blogger. I've only ever written that one blog post. Um, and he um, and it got picked up by Ariana Huffington's publication Thrive. And oh, from there, wow. a whole bunch of, yeah, it was really cool. That's I, awesome. I still, yeah. Still to this day, don't know exactly um, how it all happened. But from there, a whole bunch of people were asking me, for help. And because I was kind of a qualified coach and I had all of that experience and I love helping people. I was like, I'm going to help them. But the entrepreneur in me, I'd always had these little side businesses. So, hey, this is an opportunity to create an online course. And so I did that and I created this online course that um, was around helping them create habits in their life. And and I did that um, and I got over 300 participants um, to start off. And I didn't realize that was good. Like, I didn't realize that that was a lot. I was like, you know, I was new to the industry. And so, um, and I didn't spend any money to get those either. That was like a $50 launch. And that was for my um, hosting and my email service provider. So, um, so, and from there, my business just really um, took off in a massive way. And then I leveraged my corporate business coaching experience along with my online experience to help other people. And that grew and grew from recommendations until I kind of flipped and went from sort of the life coaching world into the the business coaching world in a formal capacity. And I've been doing that now for quite a few years and have a lot of um, people that I've helped uh, create their own successful online businesses as well. Oh, I love that. Like, I love that story. It's so cool that that was picked up too, that, you know, you're like, I'm just going to share this. And then everybody was able to like learn about it and do that as well. Like, like just have access to it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like one of those serendipitous moments where you're like, oh, you could have never planned that, but it was probably one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Right. Totally. (laughs) And so do you help um, online businesses grow just their memberships or their business in general, or how does that work? Yeah. So my specialty is online programs. So most of the people I help have memberships, but also online courses um, and group coaching programs Mm -hmm. um, are kind of the three biggest buckets of people that I, I help online. I um, I have a lot of people that come to me for, like wanting help to grow their one-on-one business. And I'm like, maybe you got to leverage your time, you know? <laughs> so I tend to convince them pretty quickly. And, and likewise, if they have a course, I'm like, I'm all for courses. I love them, but I'm like, let's get you some recurring revenue in your business. So, you know, most paths tend to go back to memberships just because of that recurring revenue mm-hmm. element. But um, certainly there's, there's, lots of different ways you can grow your business for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I I have to imagine that industry, like memberships courses and that is like not slowing down by any means. Not at all. Um, It's just been, honestly, it's been crazy. And and you see more and more different industries are turning to memberships. I was, um, I I was telling you before we went live that I was in New York city um, on the weekend, just gone. And I was driving past um, in the Uber and there was a nail salon and it was like, Hey, sign up for your monthly subscription to get unlimited mani pedis. And I'm like, yeah, like everyone's catching on to this, this whole like membership revolution, because I think as business owners, it's great for us because we get that recurring revenue, but it's also great because we get to help people ongoing. And when I started my first membership, that was more what the the drive was, was I wanted to teach them more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I can't do that in just a, an end-to-end course. Like I want to be part of their journey. I want to support them along the way. And that's what really drove me to do it was that, you know, being able to continually help them and support them. But on the flip side, it's great for our clients because they get that ongoing support, which is 
is really quite often lacking um, if you just kind of do a, a quick online course or a program, you don't get that ongoing support. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I can't tell you how many courses I've like purchased and like, you know, get all excited and you log in and look around and then I don't log back in. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Um, one of my memberships, I have the five minute business. That's exactly why I created it because it was, it's a five minute lesson, a five minute action, five days a week. And it was the exact antidote to people that buy these online courses and never complete them or complete them, but never implement them because they're, right. they're too overwhelming. And then you, you kind of never get the chance to do it. Or if you do, you never get the chance to implement. So that was kind of the, the catalyst behind one of my memberships was, hey, five minute lesson a day and five minute action a day. You've got to be able to find 10 minutes in your day right. to do that to move your business forward. So yeah, yeah, if you can't find 10 minutes, I mean, that's just, yeah. You might have, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. So, and you help um, business owners figure out kind of what to delegate. Is that how you work? And like what... Like if somebody listening today is like, yes, or and like myself, um, I'm going to hire someone, you know, and I know what I want to get rid of to delegate, but I don't know if that's what I should, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so yeah, could you walk us through what, like how you help, you know, businesses that, that in that way? Absolutely. Um, it's one of my big passions because um, not only do I believe that quite often in our business, the question isn't how, but who, <laughs> you know, we've got to, we've got to stop um, trying to be experts at everything, but also my, my background is um, HR. So I was in HR for a very, very long time. And so I did my fair share of hiring and performance management and firing. So um, kind of outsourcing delegation, um, you know, having the right team around you to support you to be the very best business owner you can be is really my passion. And I feel really strongly about it because I think most busy women, um, they, they believe that they're the bottleneck in their business because, you know, right now they're trying to juggle all the balls and do all the things in business and in life. And so um, by delegating and by outsourcing, that's what really gives you that opportunity to leverage your time and to be able to do the things that you're really great at doing and really double down in your business on the things that are going to actually help you move forward and help your ideal clients move forward more and, and not on all of that other noise that isn't your strength and, and isn't the thing that, you know, you should spend your time on. So definitely passionate. Um, to answer your question on how to decide what to outsource or what to delegate, the very first thing um, I would suggest that you do is go through and make a list of all of the things that you love doing in your business and all of the things you really don't love doing in your business and kind of almost have, you know, two columns on your notepad and one's all the things you love doing and one's all the things that you don't love doing. And then make a second list and make a list of the things that you're really great at doing and, you know, the things that feel easy, the things that you can just like, you know, go and do and it feels like nothing to you at all. Um, but, you know, and then on the other side, write the things that might feel hard, like you might enjoy doing them. You might enjoy uh, tinkering around in Canva, but are you really great at it? Does it come naturally or do you end up spending your whole day tinkering around in Canva? <laughs> and so then you've kind of got those, those kind of four lists, I get, the, the, the thing that you're great at doing and the things that you love doing um, and the thing that you don't love doing and the things that you're not great at doing that don't come naturally and that's kind of the things that are on those two lists to the right-hand side that are the things that don't come naturally and you don't enjoy doing. They're the very first things that you should look at outsourcing in your business. And that might sound overly simplistic, but when you start to go through that list, you'll see that there's themes because 
everybody has strengths. Like if you've ever done um, Clifton Strength Finder, if you haven't, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. But everybody has their strengths. And, you know, one of the things I'm so passionate about is you can't teach a fish to climb a tree. So if you're like there trying to be that fish climbing that tree, it doesn't make sense. We've got to find somebody who is really great at those things that you don't love doing and you're not great at doing to help support you because that'll make you feel more fulfilled in your business as well as giving you time back to do the things that are going to be a higher return on investment of your time. I love that. Makes total, total sense. Um, Where do you suggest people find people to outsource like agencies or ask around in groups or is there any specific place to find, you know, who would work best with your your business? For sure. Well, the very first thing um, I would say is making sure you get really clear about the person that you're looking for. So what they're going to do, but also who they are and how they're going to fit into your organization. Because I think if you've got a really clear picture of who that is, then that helps define where you look. Because say, for example, um, you're like, okay, I'm looking for somebody who is a Kajabi expert. Obviously, the number one place to look would be in like a group like the Kajabi group, for example. Mm. So, um, but you need to know what sort of, um, I guess, person you're looking for in that. Because if you just go into the Kajabi group and say, hey, I'm looking for a Kajabi expert, you'll get 5 million people and their dogs writing, pick me, pick me, pick me. And so you've got to get a bit more specific about like who it is that you're looking for and exactly what they need to bring to the table. And not just in terms of skills, but in terms of talents and how they're going to fit into your team. And even if your team's just you, you've still got to think about like, who do I love working with? What kind of things do I want to compliment me? So um, that would be the first port of call is like really figuring out specifically who, so you know where to look. But then yes, groups is great. Um, I would always say the number one place is personal recommendations. Um, Of course, don't Um, don't just take somebody's word for it. You have to do your own due diligence just because they're a fit for somebody else doesn't mean they're a fit for you. But certainly asking, um, you know, your friends and your business besties um, for recommendations is the first point of call. Second point of call is um, relevant groups. Um, And I'd say relevant because, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial groups out there. And then the third point of call that I always recommend is Upwork, which, um, you know, people might have, um, I guess, some, bad experiences on Upwork, but I promise you, if you go through the the process of hiring there in a really um, diligent way, and it doesn't, it's not hard work, it's just going through the process, then you you can kind of make it pretty foolproof in terms of who you hire. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've used Upwork in the past. Um, when I worked for an agency, we would get a lot of our contractors from there. And I always had really good experiences, but I have heard people with not, but I mean, that's any platform, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I do think it comes down to like, of course you can get unlucky, but I do think it comes down to kind of the quality of your process. And again, I don't want people to be like, oh, quality of process. That sounds really hard. It's, it's not, but it's just about, you know, kind of having a bit of a process to vet out the the bad eggs and make sure you're only left with the good eggs. Right. Totally. And I like, you know, it takes a little bit of upfront time, but to save so much time on the back end. So much time, so much time because, you know, some of the people um, that I've hired, you know, five, six years ago are still from Upwork are still with me today and they're my best hires and they're like such integral parts of my team. Um, And that's kind of the reward you can get from just doing a teensy tiny bit of upfront work. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, Is there a project management tool that you love the best or like that y'all use to, you know, stay in communication and make sure everything's getting done on these outsourced um, tasks? 
Yeah, look, we use um, we use Airtable primarily in our mm-hmm. business, which um, isn't kind of the best for team management, but I think our team's kind of pretty well embedded that they kind of just know what to do now. But I think my big view on those sort of project management softwares is that they're all pretty much equal. Like I've tried, I think every single one of them (laughs) and they're all pretty much equal. And I think it's just going to come down to your personal preference. And if you spend too much time trying to pick the best system and master a whole bunch of different systems, it's just burnt time. They all do pretty much the same as one another. And I just encourage you to pick one, stick with it and not get shiny object by the next one that comes right. along. I think that's the big risk. Yeah. And I think that goes across all like software and tools. Yes. <laughs> just yes, get started. It doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> I know. I do think though, those project management ones are the worst. Like if I got a dollar for every time somebody was like, oh, okay. So now um, Notion's out. Should I move to Notion? Oh, what about ClickUp? Should I move to ClickUp? I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're all like, and, and not to say that they, there's not some that have like some strengths over the others. They do, but they all pretty much do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's not much that I've found that is like so different between, you know, ClickUp and Asana, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, yeah, I I love this. Um, And I know, you know, you talk about having like creating a high touch feel, even though you're outsourcing, like how do you, you know, kind of coach people on how to achieve that? Yeah, that's a great question, Nicole. I think, um, I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, looking at what your clients really value. And for example, with me, my clients really value coaching with me. Mm -hmm. And I work with a coach who one of the strategies he teaches is to hire other coaches in your business so that you don't have to show up and coach. But I know that my clients really value my coaching. And so I'm never going to outsource my coaching, not to say I wouldn't get other coaches in to support, but I'm never going to try and replace me as a coach because that's what people really value but you know my team really don't care who is writing my emails or who is um you know managing my social media or who's handling my accounts or who's setting up my appointments um they don't care you know if I have a housekeeper that's taking care of my house or a dog sitter that takes care of my dog like they don't care about those things. And so I really focus on like making sure that the things that are high touch that your clients value, that that's where you still invest your time and then you outsource everything else. And that includes household stuff as well, right? Like your time is valuable. And if you would prefer to be spending your time on your business than something like a household, then that's okay for you to outsource something household and, and keep on to something in your business, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love that. That makes that makes total sense. Because yeah, like I was saying before, I'm not sure what I sh- like outsource, but that makes total sense to like what is really important to them, what they would, you know, if some, if I change, if I delegated a certain task and they really noticed and like that's very important to them, I hadn't really thought of it in that way. So that is super helpful. Like, I'm just really, thinking of stuff like I want to get off my plate, but you know, like yeah. it, looking at it that from, from that perspective is so helpful. 100%. But the one thing I would say is if you look at what is really valuable to your clients and what they're going to really notice if you outsource, and then that's on the list of things that you don't like doing and aren't your strength, then girl, we got to look at your business. <laughs> right. You know, like that's, that's kind of a problem. So hopefully um, if you've kind of set up your business in a way 
that really supports you to be the best person you can be, hopefully the thing that you love the most and that you're great at the most is also what your clients value the most because like in an ideal world, that's how it should align. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, and mine's a little different because I do provide services. So yes. it's not, yeah, membership. But I do have a membership, but it's been uh, it's been on the back burner. So I do need to go with that <laughs> We're going to change that, Nicole. <laughs> We're going to change that. Yes, <laughs> we will. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, yeah. And so what else, like what other tips or like what mistakes, I guess, do you see people make when they, you know, they start to delegate, outsource, um, just so we can, you know, sidestep those? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think the number one thing I hear from entrepreneurs is like, I'm not a great people manager. I don't like managing people. And so what they do, like, and that's really um, like a belief they have, right? Because Mm -hmm. most people, managing people is like, being a friend it's like being and I'm not saying you should treat your your team like a friend but if you can have friendships and you can have interpersonal relationships in that way then you can also manage a team and so there's a lot of um, limiting beliefs but those limiting beliefs tend to mean that um, they put their head in the sand and so Mm. they don't the the key things when you're effectively managing an outsource team or an in-house team it really it really doesn't matter is that you need to set really clear expectations up front. The team needs to know what good looks like. They need to know exactly what they need to do. And whether that's a tactical thing, like you need to do these five tasks by this date, or whether it's more of a strategic thing, like you need to ensure this outcome is reached, it doesn't matter, but they need to know exactly what's expected of them. And they need to have really consistent feedback to know that they're doing a good job or they're not doing a good job. And what I see with most entrepreneurs is that they they tend to not set those really clear expectations. It's like a little bit wishy-washy and they expect the team to come on board and just like magically know what to do and what's expected of them. <laughs> and then, they, then they're not 100% happy, but they don't tell them because they're like, oh, well, like, I don't want to be mean to them. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell them they're not doing a great job. And so, but then they leave it and they leave it and they leave it and it festers and festers and this like little thing that could have been addressed becomes a really big thing. And then they have a problem on their hands. So I think by setting those really clear expectations um, and by giving really consistent coaching and feedback, that's that's the absolute keys there. And I think that's the number one mistake that people make um, once they've got a team on board. Um, yeah, and I think the the mistake make, made before they get the team on board is just not doing that due diligence, like trusting someone else's recommendation and say, oh, Tony said they're great. I'm just going to hire them without you know, actually validating that they're the right fit for me and my business. Like there's people that I might love, Nicole, and you might go, oh, they're not my cup of tea, you know? <laughs> and so you've really got to just make sure you do your own due diligence and and have that kind of process up front. Yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. Hello, I muted myself. Sorry. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, sense. she's had enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, though, that makes total sense. Because I think, like, as just like you said, like, all of these things, like, I'm ready to, you know, get this off my plate. I know how to do it. And I feel like, you know, I... I could explain it to someone, but I probably wouldn't as much as they would need to know. You know what I mean? Like, I think I am explaining myself probably in a good way, but just being sure and open to like ask questions, like, does that make sense to you? Like, does that, you know, do you feel okay trying that? You know, things like that. Cause I could totally see going into a situation and just being like, okay, this is what you do. And then like 
expecting them to read my mind, you know? Exactly. And I always have this philosophy, um, you know, see one, do one, teach one. So what I always have them do is I have them watch me do the task or someone else on my team do the task. And how I have them watch me do it is like, obviously in today's digital world, they don't kind of walk into my office and look over my shoulder. I just record a loom or a searchy video for them, like kind of going through um, the process on my screen and actually doing it, but walking them through it at the same time. Then I have them do that process and have them um, kind of not submit it. Depends on what it is, obviously, but not finalize it, but do it and then show me so I can give them feedback. And then finally, I have them teach it as in I have them document the process, which is great because it creates a SOP for me so that then if they leave and somebody else comes on, I've got the SOP, but they, they document it down so that then they've taught it to somebody else. And that really embeds their learning, but helps me because if in that teaching document, something's not quite right, then I'm like, whoa, hey, we've had a misunderstanding. Let's go and tweak that together and let's figure that out. But then not only are they getting the task and they're really learning it, but they've already got it documented in my business as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a fantastic idea. Just broke that down. I was like, hmm. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then I have one more question because like recently I was working with a coach and she had a small team. Um, in addition to me, I kind of came in as like a fractional CMO and she had two team members and, um, I don't, you know, again, I'm still getting used to the idea of delegating things. And I've worked within a lot of teams and I am definitely one that would just do email or like ask, if you have a question, ask, you know, kind of like open communication, but, you know, let's get our stuff and like go to work. But they had to check in first thing in the morning. They had a daily huddle like an hour after that. They had to check in on Slack at like lunch and then they checked in and said everything they got done that day at the end of the day. And there was a weekly meeting. Like to me, that seems like overkill, but I guess everybody's different. Like, do you have a good kind of like cadence that you share that like, you know, as far as check-ins or communications or things like that? Yeah, look, I I don't because I do really think it depends on like the business owner and their style and the team and their style. And um, there is really like two extremes though. One extreme is the, hey, like I sent you an email, like go do the work. I don't want to hear from you until it's done. And then the other extreme is exactly what you described, like the daily huddles. And look, what I would say is that it, it does depend on the business owner. It does depend on the business style. But I think that there's not really too much communication. Like it's hard to have too much communication because I'm sure in that situation you were like, oh gosh, this is a lot. There's a lot of meetings here. (laughs) Um, But you also were really clear what's expected of you and you you knew exactly what you needed to be doing in every moment. So I think, you know, you get to choose where on that spectrum you want to be. And I think that's about having open and honest communication with your team. But I think making sure they know what the metrics are, making sure the team has got common goals, um, that's really important. And you've got to have it some kind of a check-in to make sure that they're aligned around those. But I do also think, Nicole, it depends on what kind of a team it is. Like if you're bringing on, say, a virtual assistant and it's just you and one other person, like obviously you're not going to have to have that formal of process. But if you've got quite a big team and you're all working towards like a really big sales goal, then it might be more important to have that. So yeah, I, don't, I know that that's a wishy-washy, how long is a piece of string answer, but I do think there's a lot of variables that go in, but I would always err on the side of too much communication rather than not enough. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like too, you know, 
so you start off with a lot of communication until everybody gets comfortable and everybody kind of settles into their roles. And then, you know, like things change, like when just businesses, you know, ebb and flow. So 100%. And I do think it depends like where you're at in your business as well. Like for example, um, you know, with my team right now, like we'll just email back and forth because we're really comfortable. um, And it's just like, you know, there might be weeks that go by without me talking to some of my team members because they're just doing their job and I'm just doing my job and we're all happy. Um, But when we're in launch mode and we're launching, we're we're talking like three times a day, you know? So, um, so I think it, it does really ebb and flow and it does depend on so many different things that are going on at that time. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, I just have a few questions that I like to ask on the podcast. Um, what is your favorite or most effective way that you market your business? Um, honestly, my favorite way of marketing my business is just having conversations like these. Like I'm just so passionate about helping people. And if I can, my, my view is that my marketing should change more lives than my business ever does. And so I'm just really passionate about like getting out there and sharing everything that I know and I can help other people with. And by doing that, then they'll hopefully learn and they'll want to work with me in the future. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so true. Um, what is your favorite book? Uh, okay. It's, um, the success principles by Jack Canfield. It used to be called how to get from where you are to where you want to be. Um, but that was the book that really changed my life when I first read it and just things like learning, you know, you, you, are in no worse position if you ask for something than if you don't, because the worst outcome you get is a no, but if, what if you get a yes? So that was a really transformational book for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I've never heard of that one. So I really, oh, it's great. And I love him because I, I watched The Secret and I got like, I went more down like the Bob Proctor route. Like I yeah. <laughs> do a lot of stuff with him, but Jack Canfield seems really awesome too. Yeah. He's a good guy. Um, what's your favorite drink? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm thinking boring right now, but no, I think I, I like anything with lychees in it. Um, so yeah, I like, I like a lychee um, martini or something like that would be good. Hmm. Oh, I have to say that in American, so you know what I'm talking about, lychee. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> lychee, <laughs> that's how you say it, right? <laughs> I think, I don't, I'm not super familiar. Like, I don't like the little sweet fruit, um, oh. like L-Y-C-E-E. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, H-E-E, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat fruit and I don't drink martinis. I don't have, like, much help at all. <laughs> Well, look, if it makes you feel better, my number two pick would be champagne for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be any, yeah, champagne's good. But yeah, if it's also like coffee or water, anything, we're open to anything. (laughs) But I'm sure, yeah, right now, like a cup of tea in bed sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, I've got my my trusty water bottle next to me. I drink a lot of water, so that would be my boring answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your favorite thing to watch? Oh, I love, I love anything medical drama. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what my favorite is right now, but anything medical drama definitely gets me going. That's awesome. And when I was in high school, like I would go running at the gym at a certain time every night, like, so I could watch like ER and Grey's Anatomy and like all of these ones. That's so funny. I know every time um, I end up having to help in a medical situation, they're always like, oh, are you a doctor or a nurse? And I'm like, no, I just watch a lot of TV. <laughs> <laughs> I got my degree from. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Um, and lastly, where's your favorite place to travel to? 
Oh, that is a great question. I would say Santorini in Greece mm. is probably my favorite, but uh, that, I mean, honestly, there's so many beautiful places in this world. That's <laughs> a hard choice. That's, those I've never been, but the pictures look just, I mean, seriously oh, breathtaking. So good. When, you, when you're going to go, send me a message and I'll tell you which hotel to stay at. It's, okay. um, yeah, because I feel like that's what made the trip for me. I think for me, there's so many beautiful locations around the world, but what really makes the experiences is like the people and the plate, like the, yeah. the hotel and that sort of stuff. Like that's what really makes it is the experience, not just the location. Oh, totally. Yeah, 100%. Now I want to go travel. Um, <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Where uh, where can everybody find you? What's your website, social media, all of that, so they can connect with you further? Super simple for you. It's just Tony Beige. So um, you can find me on the website, on Instagram, Facebook, all of the places just under my name. Okay, that is super simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I know for getting up in the middle of the night and also not feeling the best, like you just shared so much information, you wouldn't know that it's like the middle of the night <laughs> where you are. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Nicole. It's been such a joy chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, and thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, it was so fun to connect with Tony and I just appreciate all of the awesome information that she shared with us. Um, I wanted to share a new offer that I am just thrilled to announce. Um, I, you if you've listened to the show and you've checked out the website, you probably know that I'm a fractional CMO as far as like one month at a time. Well, I've gotten a lot of feedback from clients that they'd like a little bit more time. So I'm really excited to offer a quarterly fractional CMO. Um, so I'd be deep in your business for three months, um, creating a custom strategy for you and your business, uh, SWOT analysis, competitor analysis, um, figuring out exactly what needs to be done in your business and creating that for you. Then walking with you and your team members, if you have some, maybe you do after this episode, um, and just showing y'all how to execute it and then being there for three months, um, check-ins, accountability. You get an automatic email from me every week, um, just reminding you to check your numbers and social posts if you want feedback and almost like approval from me. Um, I'm really excited to offer this and it, on a longer term um, because it just seems to be so needed. So if you are looking for someone to kind of come in high level in your business with really high touch support, I would love to chat. So uh, you can check it out more on my website. Send me an email, nicole at mv.marketing, or shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook.